to welcome everyone here this morning. Um, just, it looks like the bathrooms are working, so someone needs to walk and they don't have to walk up the They are working. Here's the test. Should we open the 42? Pause for a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for this beautiful sunny morning. We thank you for this place that we can gather. We thank you for this community that allows us here. We ask that you would bless them, that you would bless hearts with a hunger for Christ. We ask this morning that your spirit would be in our midst, that it would open the word for our speaker, that you would fill his heart with your spirit and allow that his lips would bring forth a message from you. We ask that that same spirit would open our hearts and allow that we could hear and that that word could take root and that it could grow and encourage and guide us. We ask that you would give us wisdom as we walk to walk that even these little ones could be led and encouraged and given hearts to look to Christ and given faith. We ask that you would be with those who today cannot gather around your word, 
that there are those who are sick or weary or old, that you could be with them, encourage their hearts, guide them and lead them, and let your presence be felt in their hearts and in their minds. We ask these things in Jesus' name, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Should we continue with 147? see everybody out this morning. I've been saying all winter that if this is a long cold winter they were predicting there in about the 1st of December that I could take it. But then, then we had four days of a real winter last week so changed. I'm glad that's over. songs we sang this morning speak of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, and then taking things to the Lord in prayer. And I know that even as Shane has solicited your prayers to, to pray for me as the speaker this morning, that's, that's very welcome and, and needed. We can't, we can't pray with our minds loaded up with our troubles and our trials and 
things like that. And when we, when we can, with a single, maybe, would I say, mind and eye, look to our, our God and Savior and pray, then we're told that the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's sometimes hard for us to comprehend all these things. But we have, we have this word and it's there and it's sound and stable and always the same. And we can thank God for that. For a text this morning, I'll read the second chapter of, of Second Timothy. Read the entire chapter, 26 verses. Reading these words in Jesus' name. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husband, husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised up from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that ye may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny deny himself. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth, as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the res- resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless the, f- nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to, dis- some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself of these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do, rent, they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance under the acknowledging of the truth, that, that, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Amen. It's a grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be multiplied to each one gathered here this morning, now and forever. Amen. I guess when I look at a text like this and, and in, the, in the scope of what's happening here, we have, we have Paul writing to Timothy. Paul is the, is the elder and Timothy is the, is the young Man, I guess we would say going into the ministry or starting out, and we know that life is that way. I think of our elders and some that have 
had, most of them are gone now, had been in faith for 60 and 70 years or maybe all their life as a childhood Christian. And and then some some young people coming up to them and, and starting to to instruct them of how things should be and how things are. And they the the elders have the have the years and the and the knowledge and the experiences in life. And maybe the younger ones have the have the energy that the elders are, are diminishing in going downhill physically and in, in their age and so we need both but Paul, Paul says in the first chapter there wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands for God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind they, they have that fellowship together that is in the, in the first chapter of John where it speaks of of the fellowship in and around the blood of Jesus Christ and, and the forgiveness of our sins. That's true and living fellowship. We can talk about the, the weather and the crops and the, whatever we did last week, and and that's okay. That's that's uh, that's conversation, but it isn't it isn't that living and powerful fellowship. And and uh, Paul is speaking about it says which is in thee by the putting out of my hands. So they they have that fellowship, the laying on of hands. And there's there's something about that that is is comforting and necessary and and scriptural that we would be that would I say close to one another that we could could use that that gift. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. In, in some of the prophets in the Old Testament, the, the uh, spirit and the elders are saying to the younger that don't, don't be afraid of their faces. If, if someone's, I'm not accusing anybody here of that for sure, but there, there are times when somebody's scowling at, at the minister or what he might be saying and and the prophets are instructed to don't worry about that. Speak the word of God. Speak that which God has given you. And I guess the natural side of me looks at these a text like this and I say, well, there's, there's so much there to, to, to try to comprehend and, and uh, digest and, and go through that it's just it's just overwhelming we can we can comfort ourselves in that that we don't have to to know everything to be a child of God we don't have to know everything to be to be walking according to his ways but we look at these things and we're reminded of these things and and we know that the word is instilled in our hearts somehow we remember it. I remember. I remember things from when I was probably three and four years old that were said, said from the pulpit. They get they get established in your mind. You don't have to digest them or remember them or or try and categorize them in your in your natural thinking. They're just there, and that's that's the way it, it's supposed to be, and that's the way it should be. So he's encouraged. Paul is encouraging Timothy of these these things that I, I just read here. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ, that the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to who shall be able to teach others also. So this is the this is the spreading of the word and, and the spreading of the gospel that it says in Isaiah that it, it won't it won't diminish from the time it was written there and that part of Isaiah. I, I can't find things when I go to look for them. But from now even unto the end, it, it won't it'll never leave the Christian's life and side. 
and and it'll, it'll be it'll be burned into our minds and hearts, and it'll it'll stay there, and it'll go from one from faith to faith. The word teaches us, go from one generation to the next. But this word will, and 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 he says, and and we keep on seeing all through the word. The, and I guess I mention it often how how the difference between our carnal thinking and the and the mind of God. There's enmity there, and there's trouble between us sometimes, and and we always fight that battle that that I think Shane mentioned it last Sunday. How how Paul speaks of of how the things that he would do he finds himself not doing, and and the things that he should be doing. Or, or the things he shouldn't be doing, he finds himself doing. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am. He despairs in that. He despairs in that in that thought that I'm not a heavenly being. I wish I was. And then we, we also know that time where he where he speaks and, and wishes that that these these uh, trials and, and thorn in the flesh, he calls it, could be taken away. That And... and I, I don't hold it against him, but but he even he even brings it out in that way that if if these burdens and, and thorns in my flesh were taken away, then I could really get out there and fly, sort of thing. He's, he's told that my grace is sufficient for you. That he had to, he had to put away that natural thinking which he was coming up with. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. You know, in different places, and, and Paul even speaks, there's a chapter on that, of the armor that we are to put on, and, and what, what the different armor does, and the helmet, and the breastplate, and the different things. And it calls us soldiers. And we sing that song, Am I a soldier of the cross? A follower of the Lamb. He says, Therefore, therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers have a duty to do. They're not, they're not supposed to be out plowing the fields or, or picking fruit or whatever. They, their, their duty is to defend their their cause in whatever country they're they're fighting for. And he says that no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. So the soldier out on the battlefield, he's not supposed to be concerned about about maybe all the concerns that some politician is concerned about. People come to the politician with their concerns and his job is to present that to his superiors and and stand up for what's right and stand up for what, what the people wish, especially in a democracy. But it says we're not supposed to entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life. We're not supposed to get so involved that we take our eyes off of the most important things. Faith. Our our walk of faith, our uh, relationship with our Savior, our relationship with which e- with each other's as with each other as as fellow Christians. These are more important than, than worrying about. I went I went to a meeting the other day in Rocky, and I and I I guess this verse came to me, and and I wonder where we where we stand on these things, but it's. It's concerning the county and their laws and rules and things people are concerned about. And I don't think it's wrong to, to be involved or to know what's going on. But if we get that involved, that we take our eyes off of eternal things, then this, this verse warns against, against that. And, and why do we do it? It says that we may please the one that cho- chose us to be a soldier, our living God, our, our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're, we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ, the Word tells us. And, 
And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. If we go back to 1 Corinthians 9, I don't know how many verses I'll read here. What is my reward then? 18th verse and on. Verily that I, when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. This is Paul, Paul again speaking to the Corinthians. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law is under the law, that I, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law as without law. Being not without law to God, but, to the law, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I have made all things unto all men, that I might by all means save some. So he's, he's talking about living a selfless life, that we could be concerned about others, and, and try, to, try to understand and put ourselves in the place of others. So, so that the ultimate goal is that, so that he might win them for Christ, win them over to Christ. To the weak I am become, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things unto all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not, this is, this is actually the reference that was to this verse, this last part, but I thought that other was so good to read too. If a man strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. This is the reference. Know ye not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. So Paul brings in this, this side of, of a natural uh, bunch of people, men or women, whatever it may be, running in a, in a, in a race. And it says, one wins the prize. The one that comes out first wins the prize. So run that ye may obtain. So it says we are we are like in a race. And every man that striveth for the striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. You might have some trophy sitting on the shelf at home because you won the race. It says they do it for a corruptible crown. But we an incorruptible. So, this is comforting because, speaking of my my own uh, physical prowess, I never could run much of a race. I was I was too clumsy. Everybody else always won the race, and it makes you feel like you you uh, you're just not going to make it. It says here, "So run that ye may obtain." Talking about that spiritual race and that incorruptible trophy that we'll win every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things now they do it they do it to obtain a corruptible crown but we an incorruptible therefore I therefore so run not as uncertainly so fight I not as one that beateth the air if we're second or third or tenth in the race it doesn't matter it says we're supposed to do it with, how does it say, with temperance. Tem- temp- Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. So we, we strive to live a life that's consistent and, and temperate, the word says. That everyone that runs in that race and, say, keeps a, a steady hand on the wheel, as we say, with our in our in our modern terminology, they're going to win. We don't we don't win because we were the best and the fastest and the strongest. 
and and have the best wind or anything like that. We win because we walk a consistent, steady life and fight that fight of faith. He says, So fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it under subjection, lest that by any means when I have reached others I myself shall be a castaway. These these words in this in this whole chapter, yes, it's speaking about about Paul's instruction to Timothy, but it's for each one of us. I believe. The husband husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. And there's there's a reference to that too. If I can find it. Maybe I can't. The, but the reference goes back to a place that says if we if we plant that we plant in hope and if we harvest we harvest in hope and that he as as it speaks about the husbandman here he should be first partaker of the fruits and it says that he the the ox that treads the corn don't don't muzzle him give give him some of that corn that's a product of his labors. So, so that's kind of a it, it puts a, a slant on it that we might not normally see. The husband and husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. The, the husbandman labors with hope when he plants the seed and he harvests that seed with hope, and he is first partaker of that. He. He's not muzzled. This is this is the trouble with this with this uh, idea of slavery that's been so prevalent so through the centuries. They they do all the work and they don't get to reap the the uh, works of their labor, the fruits of their labor. Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. The, the instruction to Timothy. So that we can, and, and to us, that we can, we can keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. We were talking the other day about, about communion a little bit and, and how, how Jesus says, this do in remembrance of me. I don't understand why we do what we do all the time. It's it's like it's a it's a part of part of the mysteries of this this walk of faith. But we remember Jesus. We take time. As I mentioned at first about about prayer. We take time to pray. We we don't we're not in the middle of a of some kind of a mechanical or, or whatever problem we face every day and pray in the middle of that, it's hard to do that. It's hard to it's hard to take time out and pray sometimes. It's always rewarding if we can. Take take some some quiet time and spend time in prayer. So we're supposed to remember Jesus when it comes to the things of faith, when it comes to the things of of, of uh, Paul teaching Timothy. Don't get off on all kinds of other things. Remember. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer, suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. I think, I think there's and maybe it's just my opinion, but I think there's trouble with with people that kind of have a glimpse of Christianity once in a while, but they don't ever get into it. And they think that, well, if I really become a diligent Christian as, as uh, it's taught or whatever, that I might miss out on lots of things. I might miss out on the real 
good side of life. They consider it to be a bondage. They consider that the people of God that live a Christian life and walk are, are in some kind of a bondage. They're not in a bondage. They're, they're in a freedom. We could say, I'm free not to do these things. I'm free not to partake in the, the pleasures and, and troubles and trials of this life. We can be above that. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We, the, the, I believe Brother Carl Judy used to say how, how it's the people that are leading the ungodly lives that are in bondage. They can't get enough. They want more and more and more. It, it uh, takes over their minds. It takes over their ambitions and their heart. And that's actually the bondage. When we are free from those things, it says, wherein I suffer as an evildoer even unto bonds. Well, people, people would see Paul as an evildoer. And, and people saw Jesus as an evildoer. He was the freest man that's ever walked this earth. And he wasn't in bondage. It says the word of God is not bound. Therefore for I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. This is something that's hard for us in our natural thinking to understand how how we are to be dead with Jesus. The old man dies. And even as Jesus died and fought the battle against sin, fought the battle against not just mine, but sins of the whole world, the nations, the, the movements, the, all the things that have came and left in this world the kingdoms that have risen and fallen because of sin Jesus started taking on those things in the garden of Gethsemane and and we read that that at a point a certain point he became heavy and very sorrowful and we know that he prayed that this cup of the wrath of God indignation and wrath of God could be taken from him but nevertheless he says not my will but thy will be done he goes through with that and he suffers for our sins we have have people that seem to have enlightenment they think they have enlightenment I should say and and they say that Jesus didn't suffer that much oh he suffered the people slapping him and and calling him names and and the crown of thorns, yes, and these things. They might be some of the things we can see without even looking. He suffered for our sins. And, and when this word enlightens us, each as individuals, we suffer for sin. He suffered for that sin. And when we can believe that these things are forgiven in the work that he accomplished we, we will be free it, it's, it feels like your feet don't even touch the ground you're so free and you can hear your sins forgiven something that's been bothering you and, and burdening you and, and as it says in the word that, that sin comes between us and God that's, that's what it does Dick used to, Brother Dick used to mention that quite often, that it's sin that separates us from God. It throws a wall up between us and God. We can't, we can't penetrate that wall. Put our sins away. Believe that Jesus did this, accomplished this work for me. Remember the old preacher Ray Hellman used to say, most important part of the gospel and the most joyous part is that he did it for me the word enlightens that 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 we need that each of us as individuals 
when we die with Christ, we also rise with him. Our sins are buried, as the word teaches us. If we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Jesus says that he comes here to give us life, and he gives us life more abundantly. In such abundance, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. The amount of our suffering isn't what's important. It's that we realize that we're sinners and we're helpless and we're, we can't do anything about it. We can make resolutions and try to live a better life and these kind of things and that's not all bad but that's not salvation. Salvation is that we believe in the work Jesus has accomplished. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. That's the place he went. He suffered for our sins. And he rose victorious. The battle that took place in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the devil and his angels. And it says Michael and his angels prevailed. So important. Jesus was victorious over death and hell and all wrongdoing. And we can rise with him. He's our hero, you might say. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. We don't want to deny him. We sometimes feel pretty weak in our faith and in our defense of faith. Jesus understands that. He knows He knows our frame. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Because I falter, because I fail. Doesn't change God, doesn't change Jesus' love for me. It's always good to know that. If I make mistakes and Jesus walks away from me, what would that be? That's not why he came. came that we may have eternal life, living and abiding in us today and even into eternity, even into eternity. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings. For they will increase unto more ungodliness. I remember one Bible study, man, it's got to be 30 years or 35 years ago, and this subject was brought up that that uh, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, do we say, Our Father, which art in heaven or who art in heaven? And the Bible study was taken up with that, and I thought, well, that, that may be some of these things that maybe that was a waste of time, I don't know. I don't hold it against the fellow that brought it up, but but that's what it's talking about. It's talking about things that aren't that profitable, and we could spend endless ages of time discussing these things. Shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. That's something else completely. Their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus who concerning the truth of erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. It's come to me through the years that it just doesn't matter what somebody is, is proclaiming. Someone will follow after that. That's the nature of man. And maybe it's because they have similar 
thinking or upbringing or personalities or whatever it might be. It says it overthrows the faith of some. That's not why we're here. That's not why I stand here. That's not why Shane stands here. And we feel pretty inadequate, I think, all of us, when we're up here speaking the living word. Proclaiming what Jesus has done. It's not about our adequacy. It's all about whether we can admit that we're only sinful brothers and sisters in faith. But this is the order of things that someone would get up and speak. We wish to be obedient to that. But we certainly don't want to get up here and lead anyone astray. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Jesus says that the Father calls. And then he doesn't say this many words, but it seems to me then that he he hands those over to Jesus as we go through this life. And Jesus says, I won't let anyone go that the Father has given me. Not one. The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Again, directing our eyes and attention to Jesus Christ and, our, and, and his Father, our Heavenly Father. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. We don't want to. We don't want to be out enjoying the ways of this world Saturday night and then come here Sunday morning and, and be a good a good Christian. I talked to a man here a couple of weeks ago and, and that was his his uh, kind of concern. These people that are Christians only on Sunday. And I said, well, yeah, I know. I've run into this at times, and it's not the way it's supposed to be. But we're all going to stand before Jesus one day and answer for how we conducted our lives. It says, let let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Do Do we have secret sins? The song says... Forgive the sins I confess to thee. Forgive the secret sins I do not see. It's possible we can have those sins. Pray that sin would be brought to the forefront. We'd be enlightened. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. Is this speaking about the church? Is this speaking about a a group of many people? Or could this be each one of us as individuals? We know that this Spirit of God and this life-giving energy that we have, the Word tells us that it's uh, contained in earthen vessels we are the earthen vessels I'm not I, I'm not sure who the vessels of gold and silver are but I could say well that's the that's the side of God that is is with us but the earthen vessel sure is broken easily and cracked easily you take a a flower pot that's made of pottery and drop it about an inch on the concrete floor and it shatters into a thousand pieces. That's us. Very easily broken. Very easily cracked. And we wonder, what holds this vessel together? I guess it's the mortar of this word that holds us together. 
just left on our own we're, we're broken it says some of these vessels are to honor and some are to dishonor if therefore a man purge himself of these he shall be a vessel unto honor we purge ourselves of those things that draw us away from God speak to someone about them put sin away believe that sin is forgiven believe that's what Jesus died for I think I spoke here a couple of weeks ago about when Jesus came into Jerusalem and and speaks of the, the seed that falls into the ground and dies and unless it dies it doesn't bring forth any fruit it brings forth good fruit but oh, I lost my train of thought excuse me but Jesus complains about his time being up there's places where it says his time was not yet come and now in, this, in, that, in that 12th chapter of John I believe it is it says that his time is come up and he says Father save me from this hour on the same note as in the garden of Gethsemane he says Father remove this cup if there's any way this can come about salvation can come about without me drinking of this bitter cup but then he says that but for this cause came I unto this hour he wants to face what he has to face there that's, that's the, the true and proper spirit if a man therefore purge himself from these he shall be a vessel unto honor in that 12th chapter but a part I'm speaking about Jesus cries out Father glorify thy name meaning that I will go through with what you wish me to go through that your name may be glorified we can't be perfect but we believe in Jesus who is perfect and then we can be a vessel unto honor purge yourself from these sins he shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet for the master's use in the, in the uh, story of the conversion that Isaiah speaks about is his own his own experience of coming into faith the question comes up that who can I call on and Isaiah says call on me not that I've passed all the tests no but we would want others to know it's that simple of the goodness and the power and the majesty and the hope of eternal life in store for us when we come into faith and strive to walk in faith said we would be meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work flee also youthful lusts but follow follow righteousness faith charity peace with them that are with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart there's those places that tell us the the uh, fruits of of faith and the fruits of the walk of the unbeliever they're as far away from one another as the east is from the west. It says here, flee youthful lusts. It seems like I must be still pretty young because I still have youthful lusts. But follow righteousness instead. Follow that which is right. Follow that. Follow Jesus. He is righteousness. He's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Just ignore them. Avoid them. Knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. We're supposed to lead consistent lives as best we can. In, meek, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. These, these that oppose themselves are, we go back to this where it says that shun for profane and vain babblings, they increase, they increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat like a canker. There's no good fruits come from it. Nothing good comes from that. It says, just be consistent. Be solid, as solid as we can in this word. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance under the acknowledging of the truth. Paul, again, Paul instructing Timothy. You're going to run across all kinds of things. That's what he's saying. Keep a steady hand. Follow after righteousness. Search for these things, these, these, these good gifts. Righteousness, faith, charity, peace. Follow after those things. They, they, might, they might be things that in our natural understandings we, we look to them and wonder where the prize is. We don't see any kind of a gold cup on the mantle that we can say we won this prize running this race. We look for things that are far off. They're on the other side of what the scriptures call the river of life. And we try to walk this steady walk so that others might come to repentance. They might see the folly of what they're in. These, these fantastic ideas they have and these ideas that lead people away from the scriptures and away from the leading in the hand of God. It says, God if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth they have to acknowledge the truth I'm sure many of us have been there ourselves we have to acknowledge the truth and we have to bring it to the light I repeat this often, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then we see how Jesus says, The Word condemns. I don't condemn. The words God gave me condemns. But here, it's, here it doesn't put it that way, but it says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he, he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son, Son of God. This is condemnation, that light has come into the world. Naturally speaking, if you, if you walk into a dark room and turn the light on, it doesn't seem like that big a thing. But what's ever in the room you see, there might be a, a blank empty room or there might be all kinds of things in there you don't see. All of a sudden the light is on you see them. That's what sin is, is like. This is condemnation. The light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. They'd, they'd rather be groping around in that dark room because their deeds are evil. There's a reason for it. 
For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. He goes away from the light. He doesn't turn the light on. Lest his deeds should be reproved. He likes that darkness. He's used to that. That's, that's my lifestyle. I like that. No, he doesn't want the light to come on because his deeds are then reproved. But it says, he that doeth truth cometh to the light. This is one of the mysteries of this word. It's offensive to me, the old man, but it draws me, the new man, toward the light. He that doeth doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, made manifest, that they are wrought in God. God looks after them. He works with them. He, he, He works with us, and he looks after those things. And it's all through repentance that it speaks about here. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. We could say we were walking down the wrong road. We were running with the wrong crowd. This repentance we come to recovers us from that. We may say slimy, greasy pit we were in. It recovers us from that. The snare of the devil. You know that I don't know much about trapping, but I have a daughter that's get, getting to know a lot about it. But that animal that gets snared, it doesn't it doesn't get let loose. It's there and it's caught. It says this will recover us from the snare of the devil, and that we may recover. That, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive ca- taken captive by him at his will that's the will of the devil that he would snare you and you don't you don't let you don't get let go God will let you go repentance will let you go believing the gospel will let you go and you will be free. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we close with a benediction? May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.